Chris B. Miliado joined the Cultural Center of the Philippines, or CCP, after the People Power Revolution in 1986 toppled the dictator Ferdinand E. Marcos Sr. The CCP was a pet project of First Lady Imelda Romualdez Marcos, whose ideas of the good, the true, and the beautiful were reflected in the center's projects and productions. Mr. Miliado joined the center as it was reorienting itself and democratizing access. And after three decades of serving at the institution, Mr. Miliado, CCP's vice president and artistic director, retires this June, just as Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos Jr. assumes the presidency of the Philippines. In this B-side episode, Mr. Miliado talks to Business World reporter Michelle Ann P. Suleiman about that controversial time when art landed in the headlines and became the subject of national conversation. He also talks about the importance of freedom of expression and what separates good art from bad art. I am Chris Miliado. I am currently the Vice President and Artistic Director of the Cultural Center of the Philippines. So that's uh, around 20 years of service in the Government Center for Culture and the Arts. How did you get started with working with CCP? I started working with CCP first as a guest stage director for Tanghalang Filipino when I was asked by the artistic director then, Nonon Felix Padilla, to direct some plays for the season of Tanghalang Filipino. And that's how I got introduced to the working at the Cultural Center of the Philippines. Then in 2003, when I came back from my studies abroad, I was invited by uh, Nonon to be associate artistic director of Tanghalang Filipino. I was involved in specifically shaping the curriculum and the activities of the actors company which is looking at uh, training, uh, full-time training of uh, the actors in terms of technique and theory and history and so on. And then I was asked to join and head the uh, performing arts department, which was looking at programming of music, theater, and dance activities of the CCP. What would you recall when you first started as artistic director? Was your goal while you were at the position? As artistic director, I think one of the first things that I looked into was basically how to make the CCP alive with events. Now, because I, I really truly believe that any uh, center for the arts, uh, it should start with exciting art and exciting artistic activities to be able to draw in your audiences you know from the different sectors and also that also mean engaging and collaborating with uh, whom you consider would be the best artists as well as companies and even collaborators uh, in other fields to make the season exciting because you know it's all starts with art to begin with it's an arts and culture center so uh, it should start from there. That's how I sort of looked at the vision in a general way, how to make art matter to everyone by making exciting art that might appeal to uh, uh, everyone's taste. So that was the first thing. And specifically, I was very interested in festivals because I really believed in festivals as a good way of drawing in broad numbers of people and a, a wide participation from artists. So. CCP already had existing festivals, but the task was how to make these festivals even bigger. So it's like the term that I continue to use is biggerizing this uh, festival. So it, that doesn't only look at um, maybe from a half-day festival, it becomes like a two-day festival or even a whole week festival. 
from a local festival it becomes a national festival and at some point pushing it to become an international festival so festivals have a good way of bringing a lot of audiences in because of its multi-arts multi-activity platform it is a good way of enjoying uh, many artists and creatives to be part of it. At the same time, it's a great opportunity for a big number of sponsors and partners to come in and collaborate. Did you have any uncertainty of achieving such when you first started? Oh, yes. One of the main festivals that I started was the Pasinaya Open House Festival. The whole spirit of the Pasinaya Open House Festival was basically a uh, way of introducing what CCP was doing what we call entry-level audiences. And uh, we first started, it was just like one-day festival, and then we had the resident companies participating and showing previews of their work. Uh, it started out with only like a few hundreds of audiences coming in to watch excerpts of shows. But 15 years later, it would become one of the biggest festivals in the country with more than 300 shows to choose from, a three-day festival, with more than 800 artists and companies participating and looking at almost like 50,000 audiences uh, trooping in, not only from Manila, but sometimes busing in from the provinces. So it became one of our biggest successes in terms of uh, an audience development. What started out as an audience development activity and becoming one of the largest multi-arts festival in the country. Your interest and love for festivals comes from when you were a child growing up. Can you tell us more about that and how that inspired you to eventually usher in festivals with your works as CCP? I grew up in a small town in Victoria. It's called Victoria, which is a sugarcane town back in the 70s. I grew up there and I was very much exposed as a kid to town fiestas. And, you know, as town fiestas go, the excitement, the one of the centerpieces in a town fiesta is the carnival or the peria where you have different activities going on. At the same time, it's a, this, a fiesta, is, uh, it's a multi-day uh, and multi-activity event where you have processions and parades and competitions and sports and everything else. And it, I always look forward to the summer of fiestas. And I was always awed by the spectacle of candles and floats and processions and scenes, as well as the spectacle of marching bands and parades. And of course, the whole magic of these uh, small town carnivals and fairs and the rides and so on and so forth. And the food, of course. So it was a multi-sensory event, which stuck with me all throughout. And I thought those were the early experiences in my youth that uh, drew me to art and culture experiences that sort of opened up all of your senses. And there was something for everyone somehow. And that kind of became the inspiration for the way I would look at festivals as an arts programmer here at the center. Going naman to your task as vice president of the CCP, how is it different from being the artistic director? Uh, the vice president and artistic director is actually one position, but I would always uh, say that sometimes the, the term artistic director is sort of doesn't paint the whole picture of what that, that responsibility really is. Because when you look at the day-to-day -day work of an artistic director, a lot of it is really managing. Managing of projects, managing of resources, managing of people and teams who work with you, 
but it is underpinned by the artistic vision. And uh, all the management choices that you make are meant to service the artistic vision that the organization has, which should be marked by excellence, which should be marked by original Filipino work, which should be marked by the nurturing of next generation of artists. The artistic director's position is a management position. It's just that what you're managing are artistic content and artistic personnel and uh, resources that uh, pertain to the creation, dissemination, production, and distribution of artistic works, especially in the performing arts, literature, cinema, and radio and broadcast even. So uh, that's mainly the work of the uh, artistic director. Is there anything artistic about being the artistic director? I would always say none. If you see the chief and mound and mounds of uh, paperwork that I need to sign off on every day, I would say that a large percentage is about reading these documents, reviewing them, signing off on documents, and back-to-back meetings. I guess the artistic part comes in when you walk in into actual works of artists, whether they're in exhibits, they're in rehearsals, they're in workshops, you're out there in the regions seeing uh, our artists on the ground, uh, engaging with communities. Then I guess that's where the artistic aspect comes in. That's when where you hear music being sung to an appreciative audience in front of a town plaza when you see a visual arts exhibit in a town hall or a uh, municipio being appreciated by a group of elementary school students brought there by their teachers, that's when, I guess, the uh, artistic part comes in, when you see art really engaged with its own uh, audiences. But otherwise, a lot of it is really meet back-to-back meetings and and ceremony, of course, and signing of and reviewing of uh, documents. Are there any significant or memorable projects that you recall and can you share a few experiences about them? I'm particularly proud of Pasinaya Open House Festival, the way it grew from a one-day festival into this large festival. And particularly proud of how we sort of became a social experiment in audience development. Uh, we started out by having it completely free. It's, we even tagged it as a see all you can. It, it was for free. And then after a while, we started like when the crowd started to gather and there was more participation, we tried to introduce the notion of see all you can, pay what you can. What was the point in this experiment? The point was to educate also our audiences in terms of the value of art. You know, that's, there's a lot of resources that go into the creation of music, theater, and so on and so forth. And that Uh, Somehow, uh, audiences could participate more than just by sitting and watching and viewing artwork, but also supporting it directly by pitching in some kind of resource, whether it's like five pesos or 10 pesos or 500 or 5,000 pesos. That worked very well. And through that, at some point, we sort of managed, massaged it to become like, see all you can, pay what you can, suggested donation, 50 pesos. So parang meron ng, ano, meron ng value talaga specific that we assigned to the whole experience. And we found out that audiences were still willing to pay 50 pesos and even more. Uh, so that at some point, it almost became the collection that we uh, got from the uh, uh, 50 peso donations almost like uh, covered the production expenses because of the thousands who would uh, come to support the uh, festival. 
And it also became a really good engagement between so-called professional groups and companies like the resident companies of the CCP and our emerging groups. Like say, we call them like uh, semi-professional groups and the amateur groups, groups that would come out of schools and communities. It was a way for them to sort of gather in one place, know each other, see each other's work, get excited, inspired by each other's work. So it was a great way of opening and launching the February Arts Month because we do it like every, the first Sunday of February. So to me, seeing Pasinaya Open House Festival grow into a huge festival is something very memorable for me. Can you recall a moment or at that point where you thought that you would present the job? Well, interestingly, the first low was the very first week I sat in as artistic director. Because the very first task that was given to me was to be the spokesperson and defend Kulo, this very controversial uh, exhibit at the main gallery that drew the ire of uh, certain sectors of uh, religious societies, as well as drew and uh, earned an inquiry from Senate in terms of discussions on uh, what is freedom of expression, and even drew a national conversation which involved media and online and radio in terms of the question of what is art and what is good art and bad art. For the first few days of my artistic directorship, it was a, definitely a very difficult conversation. And But what, of course, what I learned from my mentors is that you know most of the time, these moments of crisis are also moments for an opportunity for learning. And to us, it became an opportunity for arts education. When can you get the next opportunity when CCP was in the headlines, when uh, tricycle drivers and vendors were discussing art and what is art, right? When would you get the next opportunity when you get a whole session at the Senate to talk about art? So it involved the whole, practically the whole nation, even the president of the Philippines got embroiled in it to discuss art. So it became a big moment for the arts and became a big moment for CCP in terms of making it a productive discussion on artistic freedom, a discussion on the notion of good and bad art, as well as giving a spotlight to the arts as an area that needs more support so that it continues to educate and elucidate. It was a very difficult for first, I would say, four weeks. It was a baptism of fire for me. But practically, it sort of set my mindset in terms of what this work was all about, you know? And I think it, it sort of set the tone for the work that I was supposed to do beyond the paperwork. And what is that? That is basically the main responsibility of an artistic director in a government center for the arts and culture like the CCP, main responsibility of defending artistic freedom and defending the artists. In your youth, I also read that you protested in front of the CCP and it ever come to you that you would eventually become artistic director of the institution at that point? Or what was your relationship with the art presented in CCP at that point when you were a student? When I was a student, it was a love-hate relationship with the CCP. I loved traveling all the way from UP, where I was a theater major, to watch shows at the CCP. So that's where I was exposed to 
works like Ramahari and Tales of the Manuvu and the works of Rolando Tino at uh, then Teatro Filipino. I love watching those you know, and I would spend my allowance, you know, buying tickets for it. I belong to a political street theater group at the University of the Philippines, which I founded also. And we would do some protests in front of the Folk Arts Theater, for example, to protest the beauty pageant because during the time we felt it was uh, something that was excessive and uh, sort of dissonant with what was happening in the uh, underground in terms of uh, corruption and, and widespread poverty and repression, military repression. So we did those kind of protests then. So it was that kind of back and forth, but no, it did not occur to me at all that I was going to be, uh, that in the future, the artistic directorship was uh, going to be part of my life. Uh, what was very clear to me was that I wanted to be a theater artist. I wanted to be a theater director. So one of the images of the CCP that stuck with me was the artist's entrance. You know, so I would like tell myself one day, I would like, instead of walking through the little theater entrance, I will walk into the artist's entrance because that's where the artists who create the works usually enter. So it became like some kind of special portal for me. Being that art is also an expression of the sociopolitical climate of the current times, we cannot ignore that art is only exclusive to art for art's sake and aesthetic purposes. So how do you think art presented in CCP has affected, if any, social change uh, in the time that you were artistic director or looking back? Well, uh, one thing that you should understand is that when I joined the CCP, it was 1986, right after People Power Revolution, and the CCP then was going through a substantial or profound reorientation in terms of democratizing the accessibility to the space, decentralizing the leadership, Filipinizing the content, and so on. You know, it was under the leadership of then Dr. Nicanor Chongson who led the reorientation of the CCP then. So basically the, the whole idea was propelled by the fact that there was art that was being created outside of the CCP then, but they didn't have access to the resources at this time get to open wide the doors for these other kinds of art. Art making that was rooted in community, art making that dealt with issues that mattered to community and so on and so forth. So I would like to believe that uh, the many years that followed with all of this kind of orientation took root uh, in artist communities and encourage work that was more, uh, uh, more resonant and cognizant of specific issues that mattered to community. I'm not sure if song or theater actually changed a whole society, but I'm quite sure that the experience of music, the experience of theater, the experience of sitting down and being allowed to enter a different space being created by artists has transformed some in terms of their own mindsets, their attitudes to certain issues, and even allowed a brief glimpse of what could happen if something happens or doesn't happen. Has it always been difficult to proceed with showcasing any exhibition or performance in relation to history, such as histories regarding martial law and other issues 
of the past and the current situation of the country? Was it difficult? No. Uh, during the, the way I experienced it since 1986 up to the, well, present time, I would say there was no difficulty at all. Uh, the CCP believes, at least the CCP I know from 1986 up to this point, believes in freedom of expression. And this was a hard-earned space that was uh, restored in 1986. And there, this freedom of expression allows for the free flow of ideas, engagement of ideas, conversations, however difficult they may be. And if there were any difficult conversations that came up, it was because there was a real engagement between artists, audiences, between the artwork and those who were viewing or experiencing the art. And I think, to me, that's quality of good art. It's a quality of effective art. That's the quality of art that matters. You know, when it engages with you emotionally, it engages with you mentally, intellectually, and creates conversations that at the end, at some point, might be beneficial to the way you might view things in the world, in your country, with other people, and so on. Art that has in its quality, the quality to transform. What do you hope for the next artistic director in the next coming administration? I hope that the artistic director continues to be staunchly in defense of artistic freedom, continues to be in defense of the artist's choices, and continue to, to defend and protect that space, uh, which I feel is essential and necessary for the growth of uh, good art. What would you miss most at CCP? What I would miss most is the ability to just walk in into any space and be surrounded by the spirit of creativity. That means, you know, I could walk in into the gallery exhibit while it's being put up. It's the ability to just sneak in into a balcony and watch the orchestra perform or sneak in in the orchestra area or even backstage while a performance is going on, because there's a very special moment that you know not many people can have, right? To be able to move between universes of the audience and the universe of the artist uh, easily. So it's the ability to walk into different spaces where art is being created at the moment and performed to an audience at the moment. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Chris B. Meliado, outgoing vice president and artistic director of the Cultural Center of the Philippines, speaking with Business World reporter Michelle Ann P. Suleiman. A few takeaways from the conversation. Art can influence, if not change, the way you view the country and the world. Mr. Meliado hopes that whoever takes his place will be on the side of artistic freedom and continue to defend and protect the CCP a space that he thinks is essential and necessary for the growth of good art. This episode was recorded remotely in June 2022. It was produced by Earl R. Lagundino and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.